Distractions podcast, a podcast where you chat true crime, conspiracy theories, paranormal, folklore, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and we might even tell you who the new gossip girl is. Probably not because I refuse to watch the new series. I'm Alex. I'm Christy. And this week we are back talking paranormal and Christy's back. So it's not just Yay! me awkwardly talking into the abyss. It was so weird not recording with you. <laughs> I felt so bad, but I was like, fuck my life. I fucking hate work stuff. <laughs> Which begs the question, Christy, what do you need a distraction from? Um, I need a distraction because what is today? Today's Monday. I only have four more days of work of this 26-day stretch. So Yay. hallelujah, this is my distraction. Just four more days until I have a break and we get together and drink a lot. Yes, hallelujah. So excited. Just four more days and we can go spend a stupid amount of money on things we probably don't need because we feed into capitalism to make us happy. Uh, I'm going to backpack on that minus... Minus the four-day thing, because I just work a boring nine-to-five, Monday-to-Friday. But work sucks, <laughs> like, a lot. So I need to talk about ghost stuff so that I can forget about the death that is my career right now. Oh, no. Yeah, I won't get too into it. Let's just say that uh, they want us to come back to the office a little bit more often. And your girl's not ready for that mentally, spiritually, emotionally borderline physically that and just a couple of other you know great little tidbits of when you work in a office also just to make a side note that um alex snapped me earlier this week in regards to her going back to work and she was literally working on a fucking treadmill because there was no space for her to work in the office i dead ass was sitting on the floor using like the part of the treadmill that you walk on as my desk so that's fun that's yeah that was bullshit that's cute. That's creative. We, we're here for it. I'm smiling through the tears. <laughs> Anyways, I think it's time for us to get spooky and get weird. Spooky and weird. What do you say, Christy? Please give me all the spooks, please. And just as a heads up, everybody, Christy might be a little bit on mute this episode. We'll see how things pan out. Both of us just got back from being away from home for quite a bit. So both of our cats are very, very needy. So I'm going to try my best to edit every little meow out. But if you hear it and I can't remove it, well, I'm, I'm sorry. It's, too, it's too, too damn bad. And if you could see this video right now, like all my cat Ollie is literally inching like, towards me till he can get to me to touch me because that's how attached he is right now. Yeah, yeah. So cats are basically just furry small children. And I don't mean that in an offensive way to anyone who is an actual mother. Regardless, let's talk about spooky shit. Let's do it. All right. So this week we are hypothetically heading to a paranormal hotspot located in the village of Yuli, which for our geographical buffs is located in Gloucestershire, England. Now I've heard this pronounced as Gloucestershire. Gloucestershire and Gloucestershire. I apologize to my fellow England babes. I hope I'm not uh, not offending anybody. I think I only say it this once. So <laughs> only one time to butcher it. Can't Three. butcher it a whole episode repeating, repeating, and repeating. Exactly. So I've only said it, what, like four different ways? Hopefully one of those ways was, uh, was, the, was the right way. Anyway, so within this little village lies this week's weird distraction, which is... Owlpen Manor. Dun, 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 dun. 
So as always, before we dive into the reported hauntings of this location, we'll cover the history. And I will say this does have a long, long standing history. Uh, And I apologize in advance because I tried to kind of narrow it down as much as I could to make it tangible, easily digestible for the earlobes. I think I did an okay job, but if you're a history buff and you're like, you didn't cover enough, I'm sorry. So, so sorry. But without further ado, let's get into the history. So pronounced locally as Olpen, the estate itself is thought to be thousands of years old. Sometime in the 9th century, so I'm talking thousands of years ago, it is believed that a Saxon noble named Ola, or Ola, came to the now-known Yuli area and settled there. Speculating wildly here, but some believe that Ola's residence in the area is where the name comes from. Back then, his setup was referred to as a pen. Think of kind of like a barn pen, so to speak. But that was kind of what home was referenced to, which... Your home was a barn pen? Your home was a barn pen, damn it. I don't know. Nice and cushy with all that straw? I don't know. I guess so. But I think that's kind of where they got the na- name originally from. So it was kind of referred to as Allah's Pen, which now Owl Pen, what have you. The first recorded owners of the estate, presumably the people who built from whatever was originally there, were the Allapenans, who reportedly settled in the area by 1174 and owned the property until 1462. So they were there for, you know, just like a little hot minute, just like. A couple seconds, nothing too wild, nothing too crazy, just from a just long enough for a couple of generations to live there, or what? Well, exactly, and that's that's actually what happened. You know, it just kept getting passed down from generation to generation to generation. Which I would like to know why that's not practice in today's society in North America, because I would have liked just to been hand out a house at some point in my life. But uh, yeah, that's not happening anytime soon. Yeah, your girl can barely over here afford a down payment. Going off what I've read, it seems as though the first documented construction on the property of the OG Manor, which we'll be focusing on mostly today, took place sometime around 1450. By 1462, Marjorie de Olapen married a suitor by the name of John Daunt, and they seem to have stayed in the, residing in the home a little bit after. But with this being said, it went from the Alpen family to now the Daunt family. Catch my vibe? I think so. The new Daunt family would stay from 1462 until 1815. So once again, we're just passing this house down like some Levi jeans at this point. Like some good quality Levi jeans. Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, except it's familyhood of the non-traveling house because it's a house and it fits everybody and it fits everybody and motorhomes weren't a thing back then so based on documentation it seems as though during the daunt era is where renovations and additions seem to be kind of mostly taking place according to the britain express website during the era of the daunts they reportedly had a royal guest stay with them sometime in may of 1471 specifically queen margaret of anjou the wife of henry the sixth reportedly spent a night in the manor while on her travels to the battle of Tewkesbury. remember 
remember this random informational nugget for later because Margaret does make a second stage appearance later on in my notes. I promise I'm not going to lead you astray. I will remember that. (laughs) After being inherited in 1815 by the Stoughton family, the OG manor seemed to get into a little bit of high price disrepair. I feel like we come across this in a lot of our haunted locations. Like I just think of the Crescent Hotel in um, Eureka Springs. It just seems like with every lavish place, at some point, whether it's once or multiple times, they just always go into disrepair where it's so expensive to repair them and kind of bring them back to life. Let's just let everything go to shambles and then be like, okay, so now we can't fix it. Sorry, bye. Well, yeah, it's 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 similar to, okay, let's let everything go to shambles and it's somebody else's problem. Do you know what I mean? Which I feel like is a very common practice in the housing market today where it's, it's like, okay, we're going to paint the house in some really aesthetically pleasing colors, but we're not going to fix the downstairs toilet because that's on the new fucking owners. Or I'll say this house, but you can't get an inspection and you move in and you're fucked. Basically. Basically, yeah. So instead of investing at the time in the OG manor, the family allegedly built the Alpen House in 1848, approximately a mile east to the original settlement. So this is where I got a little confused because I thought I didn't realize that there was more than one house on the property. (laughs) And then after some digging, investigating, there are like multiple establishments on this entire lot. So the house that they built in 1848 isn't the actual manor that we're focusing on in terms of the haunts. Oh, okay. Interesting. Around 1828 and 1874, construction was done to build a church, a.k.a. the Church of the Holy Cross, which sits actually behind the OG manor. And just for kind of like a visual recap, so there is the OG manor, which has been around for many, 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 many moons. The 1848 house, two gardens, a church, and a grist mill by at least 1726. So, point, or sorry, all of that but the church by 1726, and then in the 1800s, the church was built as well. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. The property would sell another two times after going through the Stroughton family, once in 1924 and then in 1927, in which it seemed to struggle from time to time with trying to maintain the upkeep. Because once again, there are multiple buildings on this property, each with their own needs, with their own renovations. I'm sure people bought the property and we're like yeah like we're going to redo everything this is going to be great this is going to be an investment and then once you actually get into it it's a lot more than they anticipated girl i can barely keep my house clean they want to have like umpteen houses on this property no mm -mm, can't can't be done and if it is done let us know and let us know your magical tricks because that's that's some magic shit in our lives yeah that's some magic that you're pulling out there as far as i was able to find it appears that a family the manders to be specific currently own the property to this day after taking possession in 1974 the manders put in time energy and money into making the property as to what it is today the property now has become a full-on retreat the alpen manor and country estates offers holiday cottages stays at the og manor spaces for weddings, property tours, and more. I'm going to read the Alpen's description on TripAdvisor, mostly because I have 
a little bit of a travel bug right now. Uh, And for more information, of course. So this is a direct quote from the website. We offer holiday cottages in this magical Cotswold Valley, which has been recognized as one of the most romantic places in England. Come and relax in our nine Cotswold holiday cottages, which sleep from two to eight guests, 38 in total for larger groups. The cottages range from listed buildings and farmhouses to small romantic one-bedroom woodland retreats and studio apartments. So there's something for everyone. At the center of this secluded Cotswold Valley in Alpen is the Alpen House, medieval manor house, which is lived in by the Mander family and is described as the loveliest place in England. We manage all of the property ourselves and feel like that our guests are coming to stay with us when they arrive in this perfect corner of the Cotswolds, end quote. Very inviting. They want you to come visit. Oh, for sure. They definitely are saying, hey, come stay with us. We're romantic. We're cute. We're amazing. We're the perfect package. And speaking of packages, I took a look at their website because I was I was curious to see how much it would be to stay there. Most of the prices on their website were based off of wedding groups and packages. So I'm going to read a little bit of information off that. Their midweek wedding package is about £5,250, which is approximately $8,974.03 in Canadian dollars. Is that just for the venue? Or what does this so, include? So this is this cost is up to 40 guests and includes alcohol and food. So I believe you get the site the food and the booze for 40 people. I don't know if that's good. I don't really know. I don't know weddings. Yeah, I'm not engaged and not married, so I I don't know shit about anything when it comes to that. So for all I know, that could be like chump change. That could be the cheapest thing you could do or it could be the most expensive. I don't know. Not a clue in the world. I will say, if you are wanting to add more people than the 40 guests that this midweek wedding package includes... For more, you essentially are looking at 58 pounds, roughly 58 pounds, so $100 Canadian per adult that's being added, and roughly about 27 pounds per child, so that's roughly about $47 Canadian. Okay, I would say that, I don't really know, again, same thing, we don't know wedding prices, but if you're only making me pay 58 pounds or whatever for an extra adult that includes beverage and dinner, I think that's a good deal. I would assume so. I don't know. Write it. Right. Send us an email. I don't know. Yeah. Send us an email. Let us know if you're from England and you know the wedding scene. Let us know what is good and what is bad. Not that I think either of us are planning on getting married in England. I I mean, or ever, or ever at this rate. Let's be real here. But (laughs) Tanner. He's he's not going to listen to this episode. Let's be real here. Anyway, so I, as I mentioned kind of earlier, I wasn't able to find the exact prices for rooms, but you know, I have a hunch that if this is kind of the cost for weddings, then you can maybe ballpark idea some, you know, how much it would stay for a night or two at the manor or in one of the cottages. And just as a heads up, Alpen will not be holding any house tours until 2022 due to the good old panorami COVID-19. Thanks, Corona. And their gardens also seem to be closed to the public at this time. That sucks. Yeah. You can find out more about their COVID-19 updates, protocols, and just about the estate itself on their website. But for now, I think it's time to put the history textbook away 
and let's talk about the spooky shit. Let's please, because history is the least favorite subject I like. Chrissy's like, I'm just here to get scared shitless. I do not give a (laughs) shit about when this house was built. I don't give a crap about this, that, and the other. Scare me to death. I'm here to watch Alex get scared shitless, and I'm like, this is stupid. No. (laughs) Basically, basically. So for sanity's sake, I'll introduce the known ghost to location, which seemed to primarily be in the manor as mentioned. As far as my little brain was able to perceive, it doesn't seem like the other buildings on the property have had consistent activity, or at least none reported that I could find. So all of this is based on the OG manor that's been around since like the 1100s. And then after I introduce the known ghosts, I'm going to then talk about an investigation that took place back in 2004. So, first, one of the most famous ghosts at Alpen is believed to be that of Queen Margaret of Anjou. Do you remember her from before? Is this the one I'm supposed to remember? Yes, I this is remember. the one that you're I, I don't remember. <laughs> Apparently, her spirit seems to be hanging out at the Alpen Manor, even though she only stayed for one night. As mentioned, she had stayed at the manor when she was heading towards the Battle of Tuxbury in 1471, which ultimately didn't actually pan out very well for her um, or her family. Apparently, her husband, Henry VI, and her only son, being Prince Edward, were reportedly murdered during that battle. So Margaret reportedly spent the rest of her life alone and exile in France to grieve the loss of her family. Some say that Margaret's last, quote, happy evening was at Alpen, which is why some also speculate that her spirit has lingered at the manor due to the imprint that she has left there. Some claim to see an apparition that appears to look like Margaret, dressed in a gray gown of sorts, wearing a fur-trimmed gown. Remember, this is pre-PETA, so unfortunately people were wearing fur like it was nobody's business. People still wear fur. Unfortunately, people still wear fur. They also claim to see this apparition wearing a steeple hat and a wimple. I had to Google what a wimple was. And for those who don't know, including myself, a wimple is a cloth headdress covering the head, neck, and the sides of the face. Oh, I think it's such a weird name. Give me this, like, head covering. Yeah, I don't I don't know why it's called a wimple. I didn't look into it that heavily because, to be honest, I just wanted a visual to be like, oh, okay. Uh, and I figured there's probably a podcast out there that talks about wimples. So. I was looking for something interesting and then I was let down. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I believe Margaret's ghost is sometimes referred to as the Grey Lady. However, in some places, it seems as though the Grey Lady could be its own identity, in which that kind of seems to be a little bit of a mystery on itself. Christy, you're going to hate this story, and I forgot to mention, because there's a lot of, well, it could be this person, but it could be that person. It could be this identity, but it might be that identity. I'm going to get confused. Yeah, it's, uh, hold on to your seatbelts, kids. It's, it's, there's a lot of identities you're going to have to remember here. So another ghostly sighting is that of a hooded figure referred to as the Black Monk. The Black Monk has been reportedly seen hanging out in the older east wing of the manor in which the former living identity seems to be a bit of a mystery. Some suspect that he was a member of the Alpen family that used to reside in the manor during the Middle Ages. According to the Alpen website, this idea comes from the notion that there was a known Benedict monk from that family who reportedly passed away. Not sure if it was like on the property, not sure the details, not sure if he was murdered, if he, you know, I no, I absolutely no idea how he died, but 
specifically that's just the rumor associated with this apparition and to make things Mm. even more confusing because we're always here to confuse that living shit out of everybody uh apparently there's another rumor that the monk's identity is someone completely different and it's a little bit more horrifying so some say that apparently while this monk so not the owl pen monk but a different monk was alive. They had fled the nearby town and hid in the walls of the manor. I'm not sure why they had to flee town. I don't know if they did something heinous. I don't know why they went to the manor. Regardless, they actually ended up, I believe, dying in the walls of the manor and their bones were later discovered after the fact. What the fuck? Yeah, so my first thought was the boy movie was that someone was like living in the walls of the house. How fitting. We just watched that not too long ago. I know. We watched the boy too, and equally as terrifying. But that's kind of where my mind went. Once again, I couldn't find any identifying information of who this monk was, whether it was someone from one of the OG families or some random who just ended up dying on the property. Regardless, people claim to see this hooded monk-looking figure in the manor. Our next spooky figure has been referred to as the Sorcerer, who reportedly hangs out in the attic of one of the wings of the manor. Now, this Sorcerer has been connected to a previous living tenant of the home, being Thomas Dawn. According to the Alpen website, Thomas Dawn was allegedly known as a local wizard who reportedly would practice his magic in the attic. Some people practice the drums... Other people practice magic. At some point after he had died, I believe the room was sealed up. I'm not sure if it was to hide his stuff. Not really. I don't really know what happened. But essentially, the addict was opened up sometime in the 1830s. And in what I'm going to classify as ghost lore, when the room to the attic was opened up, there were writings discovered that were apparently from Thomas and hinting that he was practicing a little bit more than just the drums at that point. Some satanic stuff going on? I don't know if it was satanic because like just because you practice magic doesn't mean it's satanic but I wonder it didn't really specifically say what he was practicing. That was just where my thought went. You went a little dark and I was like okay let me just guess what it is. Let me just go the darkest. Well let me just go there. Let, let's just go to Satanism, because everyone else is thinking it. I'm always telling you it's Satan. It comes back every time. Basically. Once again, to make things more confusing, there seems to be a suspected second identity. Although there is no name attached, some claim that a former family tutor reportedly was practicing devil worshipping while in the home and would write books on sorcery. But, of course, there's not a hell of a lot of documented evidence to back this up, other than an old postcard found in the manor dated back from 1921, which reads, quote, Haunted small bedroom, ghost of Tudor who is mixed up with sorcery, raised up the devil, and wrote books on sorcery which have been burned. He was found dead in chair, end quote. So you were right to kind of go to Satanism, I guess, because he apparently was raising the devil. I told you. Christy over here not knowing my notes, but yet guessing my notes right every single time. It's just this, like, telepathy we got going on here. Basically, basically. Once again, both identities seem to be murky. However, people claim to see this apparition of the sorcerer and hear someone in the attic, which has led people to assume it's either Thomas or this tutor. Whoever it is, it's creeping people to hell out. The last reported paranormal identity is that of a nameless but loud child. 
According to the Alpen website, this ghost child reportedly is known to run up and down the stairs at the back of the house, move items around the manor, and wake guests up while they sleep. This child apparition has also reportedly been known to be seen in the window of the manor from time to time as well, often disappearing within a blink of an eye. What have we no, said? Thank you. Yeah. What have we said about ghost children? What have we said about ghost children? I tell you, it's always a devil. And I always say, no, thank you. Exactly. There's actually a picture, a pretty well-known picture that I'll try and see if I can post on Instagram. But essentially, investigators think that they've caught this ghost apparition on camera looking out one of the windows. So stay tuned to our IG because I'll, once again, I will try and find it and I will try and post it so everyone can see. Bonus. Now on to the investigation part of it. So as mentioned, this investigation took place in 2004 by the Most Haunted Crew, which listeners may recall as one of our big resources used in the Edinburgh Vaults episode that we did. For those who want to watch the video of their investigation, I found it on YouTube and it was uploaded by the user Shiver on February 1st, 2019. This investigation was interesting for many, many reasons. One being that they had both a spiritualist medium uh, named Derek and a psychic named Ian on site. And I say this as being interesting because usually on the TV investigations I've watched, there's usually only like one psychic on site. I've never seen an investigation where there's been two. I'm sure it's happened before. And I feel like if there's two, I feel like there's going to be a lot of competing stuff going on. Well, yeah, a little bit, right? Because, you know, they have different, I don't know if they have necessarily different abilities, but I just wonder how much energy that would bring into the room, right? Yeah, interesting. Based on what I saw and heard from the investigation, the following took place. So the crew reportedly heard banging, knocks, and footsteps from the attic in which I will say you can actually hear some of the knocks and movement in the episode fairly clearly it's not one of those you know it's all quiet and then all of a sudden the investigator's like oh did you hear that you can actually hear the sounds which is pretty pretty interesting yeah because usually I'm like no I didn't fucking hear anything and I like put the volume up to max and I was like still fucking hear anything can't hear shit Zach what are you talking about uh, the Mander family's dog joined the investigation, so that was just a little nice little cherry on top to the, to the experience of watching this, in which the dog seemed to react to something being in the attic, meaning it seemed antsy to leave, barking at times, and just kind of seemed on edge, which for those who maybe aren't as familiar in the paranormal as others, people suspect that children and animals are more sensitive to paranormal beings than us boring adults are. Um, I'm not really sure at the top of my head the science or the thought belief behind that, but that's just it was just something that kind of stood out when I was watching the investigation. Animals always know, and there's just some weird things about that. I'm sure that lots of things will be popping up in that house. Oh, for sure. The psychic reportedly heard a spirit named Lofton, that reportedly hangs out in the East Wing. However, the crew couldn't find any record of anyone by this name that lived in the manor. The psychic also made a point to state that there appeared to be many energies which could manifest in various ways. So it wasn't necessarily like, oh, there's this, there's these four ghosts that I had mentioned previously. There was so much energy that could kind of come about differently. One of the investigators, Yvette Fielding, actually keeled over at one point in pain 
out of just out of the blue during the investigation in which there was no indication of a pre-existing condition for or reason really for them to do this other than they reportedly just felt like a random I think stabbing pain which they kind of assumed was perhaps spiritually related she was spiritually having appendicitis attack i don't know hopefully not could you imagine why are you in the er uh because a spirit has all of a sudden decided to rupture my appendix so after all of this things really seem to ramp up just before midnight investigators reportedly heard disembodied crying from another room they also witnessed books randomly flying off bookshelves or one even reportedly flew and hit ian which, once again, Ian was the psychic that I was referencing earlier and forgot to mention. But yes, Ian was the psychic. Okay, good, because I was like, who the fuck is Ian? <laughs> Plot twist. When one of the other books fell off, the investigators saw that these two very morbid drawings of weird, creepy people had kind of came out of the books that weren't a part of the books. It was really bizarre. So essentially, these like little scrap pieces of doodles came out. And they're like, where where did this come from? What What is this? So that was very bizarre. And I guess after the fact they had showed uh, members of the Mander family this, and like, yeah, we've seen these doodles before, but we don't know where they're coming from and like didn't really know who did them. It wasn't any of them, according to them. So it's just, it was very, very odd. Okay, yeah, when you say doodles, all I can picture is Annabelle, and it's the oh, yeah. doodles all over oh, everywhere and the notes mm-mm. and like, let's play. Don't <laughs> fuck with that. No, no. Luckily, these were just really morbid looking portraits that were doodled no creepy messages but i wouldn't be i i don't know which one i'd prefer the notes or the or a portrait i'm like who are they drawing? yeah yeah I, and, and that's the thing like, what are they drawing on the portrait just a face just like people like yeah faces basically it's really really bizarre i would definitely once again definitely would recommend checking out the most haunted episode of this place on well wherever you can stream it i watched it on youtube once again because yeah once i saw it i was like i don't know what <laughs> who's drawing this and why and why is it coming out of one of the books because i think it only came out of one of the books that was thrown that night randomly i don't know how many books were thrown specifically but i almost but it's just weird that out of all of them at least one of them had these doodles right it'd be creepier if like all of them had the doodles but the fact that at least one of them had them just rubs me the wrong way it's just like here's all your fucking books and here's your pictures bye yeah. Here's some books. And while you're at it, here's my artwork. Follow me on Instagram. <laughs> uh, the team also captured a very slow moving light anomaly on camera, which, as we may recall from when we covered spirit photography dots, some believe that this can be a sign of a spirit trying to manifest. The team reportedly felt cold spots randomly around the manor as well. Uh, they also kind of just felt like a weird off energy. And I know some people will think, oh, that's just honky dory made up shit. I'm sorry. Have you ever walked into a room after an argument and felt that kind of like negative, I shouldn't be in this room right now kind of energy? I- I'm assuming that's kind of what they felt as if something was just not right and they probably shouldn't have been in there. So it can happen. It physically can happen. So uh, shortly before 1 a.m., the spiritualist medium, Derek, decided to kind of come up and join the investigation. So in the beginning of the investigation, it was just Ian, and then Derek came in around roughly 1, and that's when things really started to kind of, you know, ramp up. Uh, he, being Derek, reportedly connected with a spirit who had stated, yo, I hate this other spirit on site, and this, I don't know who the first spirit was, but he just apparently approached Derek and was like, yeah, I hate 
this daunt this thomas daunt guy that's here it just it was very weird it was kind of like a okay so these there's beef between two spirits and we're making a spirit turf war or what exactly but it's interesting because derek stated that whenever these kind of spirits collide with one another the living would be able to hear them colliding and fighting so this could be like disembodied screams or yelling screeching just very bizarre you know it's it's just it's interesting i don't know it's weird i don't know how else to describe it other than it's interestingly weird that's great yeah so just it just goes to show that even in the afterlife your petty ass can still have beef with another ghost if you don't like them so i picture this for your afterlife oh a thousand percent i'm gonna be so petty i'm probably gonna have you know a turf war with the ghost who knows we'll see We'll see where we'll see where I end up. At one point in the investigation, there was a drum above a shelf with a tambourine on it. You could actually hear something tapping on the drum, even though it was out of reach from the investigators and there was something on top of it. Nothing was shaking the shelf. No one was like up against the shelf shaking it, making anything happen. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a rat, it wasn't a mouse, it wasn't anything, but you could hear the tapping as if someone was just tapping on top of the drum. It's trying to communicate. It's trying to let you know that the party is ready to start. If someone could just grab the tambourine and get this going, that would be greatly appreciated. After the whole drum situation kind of took place, the investigators decided to do a seance at 3 a.m., given how much phenomena was going on. Christy, I know you're giving me that look of, why are they doing a seance at 3 a.m.? That doesn't sound like a good idea. Why are you doing a seance at all? That's a very dumb idea. I mean, I see both sides. In my scaredy-ass defense, I would be like, no, I don't think we need to do a seance at the witching hour. I think we're fine. We've got a lot of evidence. Did you not just hear the drums go off? On the other hand, obviously the energy is clearly manifesting itself more and more. What better way to potentially help that energy manifest more into potentially a full-body apparition by literally opening the floodgates of spiritual activity. Bad idea. Yeah, it turns out to not really be a good idea because during the seance, Derek began to shake and kind of started making these like weird noises uh, before jolting his head back, which is never a really good sign. Plot twist. He, uh, he ended up getting possessed <laughs> just, you know, casually in the middle of a seance at 3 a.m. at a location that's thousands of years old and haunted by many, many things. And this is why you don't do a seance at 3 a.m. And this is why you don't do a seance at 3 a.m. Like, there's different things you could do. I think Forever. it was how... Yeah, I think it was How I Met Your Mother that had that famous line, nothing good happens after, is it 1 a.m. or 2 a.m.? Regardless, if you're a homebody like me, nothing really good happens after 12 a.m., let's be real here. Some people may have their own opinions about this part of the investigation. I will say, whether it was sensationalized for TV or not, it was fairly convincing to me and fairly spooky, the way that Derek was acting, the way that they were talking. I mean, I've never seen a real-life possession before, knock on wood, hopefully never will, but from what... What I have my understanding of it is, is that Derek 
Derek was possessed. He wasn't doing so well. Good times, good times. Good times, good times. So at one point, whilst possessed, Derek actually lunged at his peers, in which it appeared he was kind of like semi-held down after the fact, uh, and which another, the other... um, the other psychic Ian try to help him kind of release whatever spirit was inside of him. So they're like, okay, this was fun, but now it's not. So let's, let's wrap this up. I compel you to leave this man. I compel you to leave because we have to be back at the hotel and check out before 10 AM. And we can't do that if he's possessed. So let's get this going. Regardless. It was, it was interesting to see. It was very, it was, was it good evidence? I don't know. It was just interesting to watch. Let's put it that way. And hopefully Derek's okay after the fact, because I I can only imagine what kind of psychological trauma that would have been. Uh, the episode ends reviewing what the group had found and, you know, which I've most of it I've already mentioned, in which they brought up the most active place in the manor was, in fact, the attic, which seems pretty on par with how most ghost stories go. So to kind of summarize this grand old location based off the history and what took place during the most haunted investigation i think it's fair to assume that alpine manor definitely has something weird happening the history in terms of tenets and just its general upbringing seems to be a little bit more clear in comparison to some places we talk about however the ghostly identities seem to be just be all over the place which happens right i mean we don't necessarily know who's haunting every location specifically this may be due to the fact that so many people seem to enter the doors of the alpine manor and each person may have left something behind whether you believe in energy imprints in homes or not i think the most haunted investigation alone could definitely make a skeptic reconsider their beliefs in the paranormal and that is alpine manor fancy yeah, I definitely want to go. I I just, well, first and foremost, I have a travel bug, so I just want to get out of Canada. Second of all, I would be down to go to this place because I would love to go to England. And this place looks beautiful on the outside. It's got that spooky history. This has this has me written all over it. So I, I, I think we should go. I'm just going to say part of the Devil Vax crew, so let's bring in the travel. Vaxed and ready to travel and get the hell out of Ontario. Anyways, shout out to my resources because without them, I wouldn't have been able to provide you this weird distraction. So big old thank you to the Alpen Manor website, which is alpen.com, Britain Express website, which is britainexpress.com, Alpen Manor by David Ross, Historic England website, Oxford Languages for Wimple definition, And finally, the YouTube video, Psychic Medium Attacks Crew Member When Possessed, Most Haunted, Shiver, uploaded by the user Shiver on February 1st, 2019. Christy, can you tell these fine listeners what other platforms they can listen to us on, about our listener distraction episodes, where they can support the show for free where they can maybe support the show a little bit more than just for free to get some bonus content and merch just essentially let them know about all the good stuff that we have to offer we are on apple podcasts if you listen to us on apple please feel free to go over and leave us a rating we would love that preferably five stars that gets the word out for free we are on spotify google Podcasts, stitcher anchor and pretty much any other platform you find our podcast on we will be there um, you can support the show for free by following us on our many platforms, as well as TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Weird Distractions Podcast. Looking for more Weird Distractions? 
consider joining one of our two tiers on Patreon. Both tiers get monthly bonus episodes, um, things from behind the scenes footage, some stickers, a little of this, a little of that. Some of our bonus topics have included the case of the Oakland County child murders and Ismo Uni and more. Shout out to our current patrons. That's Tom and Bailey. Guys, thank you so much for your support. As always, we love you. We want to also help out the show beyond those options. And once again, we talked about Patreon. If you want to do a one-time pledge, you can buy us a coffee on Buy Me a Coffee. If you want to support by repping merch, we are on Redbubble. And you can search both of those by looking up Weird Distractions Podcast. Lastly, we want to hear from you guys. We are doing um, some bi-monthly series listener distractions when we can find enough what's going on. So if you have any weird encounters, paranormal, true crime, conspiracy, anything really weird we want to hear in general, um, it's ghost story, whatever, send us to our, our send it to our email, weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com, and the listener distraction episodes will be released, hopefully, a little bit more bi-monthly, hopefully the 13th of every month. Bing that gets that, if we can find enough, might be a little bit longer, but we're hoping to have enough kind of included, as long as you guys can give us some dirt. Yes, we need to get your receipts and get them in soon, because we are hoping, fingers crossed, we do need more, so... Uh, we're hoping to do it for August because we released one in June, but once again, it's all dependent on you. No pressure at all. Just staring into the abyss, hoping that you can provide us some more stories. Anyways, if you need a distraction, we got you. Bye. Bye. Bye.